The strategies and concepts discussed are for educational purposes only and do not represent specific investment tax or estate planning advice. Investing carries an inherent element of risk, and it is in everyone's best interest to consult a tax, legal, or investment professional. Investment advisor representative of and advisory services are offered through USA Financial Securities, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to the third episode of WTF, Wealth, Taxes, and Finances. I'm your host, John Cindia, Certified Public Accountant, Personal Financial Specialist. This week on our terminology, we're going to get into balance sheet, assets, liabilities, net worth, income statement, income expenses. Oh my God, what did I just say? All right, let's start at the beginning. Balance sheet. What is a balance sheet? A balance sheet has your assets, your liabilities, and your, your net worth. How do you get to net worth? You take your assets, you subtract what you owe, that's what you're worth. Most people don't have a net worth. They're upside down. They have too many cars, too many houses, too much debt. That's a dirty word. We're going to try and get rid of that, okay? Think of your balance sheet, first of all, as your assets. We're looking to look at the positive side. It's the cash, your savings accounts, cars, boats, toys, home, rental property, stocks, anything you actually own. Now, some of that you may still be paying on. Yep, that's your car, that's your boat, some of the other toys, your rental properties, maybe even your home. Once you take the liabilities away from your assets, that leaves what they call net worth. That's what you're supposedly worth on paper. That's what the banks use for collateral purposes, to loan you money, to get those toys, cars, homes, boats, whatever. Then you have the other side of it, your income statement. What's the income statement? Normally it's your W-2. If you're self-employed, it's what you're making in your business minus your expenses. What are my expenses? It's your utilities, your house payment, that car loan, that boat loan, anything else that goes out of your pocket every month. That's your net income. So the income statement is your income minus those expenses. That's how we end up coming up with a cash flow statement to see exactly what you can afford to put away for savings, what you can afford as far as a vacation, what you can afford in that new car, that new boat, Anyway, that's a little bit of terminology. We want to switch over now and talk a little bit more about some other investments. People always talk about active-passive management. What are they talking about with this? Active management. Active management of what? Well, your portfolio. Active managers try to beat the market. What's the market? You heard of the Dow, the NASDAQ the S&P 500. We'll have to get into that in another podcast, but basically the S&P 500 is set up of 500 stocks. The Dow 30 used to be the Dow 30, would call it the industrials. There's 30 stocks, mainly dividend-paying stocks on the Dow, and then the NASDAQ made up of 100 stocks. 
mostly growth type stocks. You're going to find Facebook, Amazon, uh, items like that. Google are going to be in on the NASDAQ. They're more tech oriented. But active management is going to try and buy, sell. They could be day trading. Any type of situation that is not linked to the index. The indexes are passive because they don't turn over stocks. They don't sell anything unless it falls totally out of favor. You might have a change of one or two stocks in the S&P 500 every two or three years. For the most part, you buy an index fund, you're holding that. It sort of goes under the old buy and hold strategy. You buy a stock, you hang on to it. That's what people have done for the last 50, 60, 70 years. But when day trading came along, everybody wanted to beat the market. How do you beat the market? Well, I know more than the market. I know more than the gurus out there. I know more than everybody out there. So I'm going to buy it low, sell it high, make some money. Unfortunately, they buy it high, they sell it low, and they don't make any money. Then they have to borrow money, and that's how you get upside down. <laughs> because you need to get cash flow, and you just lost all of your investments. So active management is for some people. I wouldn't utilize it as a uh, core of my investment philosophy. Passive management is better for a core. Follow the indexes, cheaper. Uh, you end up having someone that could manage that for you. You put more of your money and your efforts into the planning. Once you get the planning done, you're going to have investments. You're going to have uh, stocks, bonds, ETFs. There again, sounds like another podcast, doesn't it? I'm going to get into all those other things with you at another date. But what we want to do is just understand the fact that active management does not and has not been able to be consistently beaten the stock market in a passive way. So what you have to do is have a nice core of passive investments and uh, indexes for when you do invest. While you're investing, you can have index ETFs and index mutual funds. Those are the passive ones. But you'll also have other ETFs that aren't passive because a mutual fund actually has managers. They have stocks within that, and they will actively manage that. So unlike an index fund that is stable, mutual funds and ETFs normally are managed by investment uh, managers that actually will turn over that portfolio. They're not going to stand there and hang on to anything for two, three, four, ten years, whatever. They will be getting rid of those uh, funds if they're not performing, and they will look for um, they will look for something that's got more growth. Moving from the uh, educational part of the active and passive management, uh, some of the other subject matter uh, that I was going to talk to you about is the five most inefficient ways that we use and uh, we use for money and where we spend uh, most of our time uh, losing money. Mortgages, taxes, retirement plans, education, and large purchases. We're going to break down each one of these. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why it, it's so inefficient. Why five? Who knows? It could have been seven, ten, fifteen. But these five areas 
are normally very inefficient just because they are. Who wants to talk about mortgage, taxes, retirement plans, education, large purchases? Nobody, right? Mortgages. Let's talk about that first. Don't make extra payments on your mortgage. You make an extra payment on the mortgage, your payment next month is the same. It didn't help go down. Is your house worth more? No. I'm going to put $5,000 extra on this loan because I, I want that stupid thing paid off. My $100,000 house isn't worth $105,000. I could use that $5,000 for something else, like paying those credit cards off. How about that? Start thinking. Think about this stuff. Don't just, I'm going to make a payment. Got to make a payment again. Got to make my house payment. Got to make my car payment. Got to make these payments. No. Just, just start thinking, okay? Put that money in your pocket. We'll get down to that on the retirement plans. Because we're going to find money so you can start putting money away. We're going to pay down some debt. We're going to do things like that. Yeah, Ramsey says you can't have debt. Oh, my God. There's good debt and there's bad debt. According to Ramsey, it's all bad. I don't agree with that at all. If you like Ramsey, well, you're probably not going to like the rest of these podcasts, so I don't really care. <laughs> these are for those people who want to have help. They're not insane. Yeah, Kramer, he's still insane. Susie Ormond, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's nuts too, just like Kramer. Fisher, oh my God, getting back to that again. Nope. These people all have biases for one reason or the other, trying to sell you crap. I want to solve problems. Pay those credit card debts off. Don't pay your house payment down. Once you end up having those credit card paid off, guess what? You're freeing up extra money anyway. Where can that go? That can go back in your retirement plan but only up to the match that your employer is matching you. Don't save fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 on that. Taxes have never been as low as they have been the last 15 to 20 years. Since 1913, the average tax rate in the United States has been 58%. Late 60s, early 70s, it was as high as 70%. Reagan came in, we were down to 28. They've gone back up some, another 10%. We're at 37 now. So why would you put so much into your tax-deferred plan when we're at a low rate. Another administration, as they've been talking through Congress, is going to increase taxes. Why would I want to turn around and defer and get a tax deduction and save 20% only to turn around and when I pull that out pay 35 or 40%? Doesn't make any sense. I'd rather put it in to a Roth. Tax me at 20%, I'll put it in a Roth. I'll pull it out, I won't have any issues with it. The problem is some of the people that could utilize that are making too much money to go to a Roth. So the only way they can do it is through their 401k plan. Does the 401k have a Roth element? If not, call me, we'll talk about John's Super Roth. We can put a lot of money into that. We're not going to be having government regulations of 6000 to 6500 a year. You want to put in twenty, thirty thousand? 30000 We can do that. How much money do you make? It's only going to be limited by the amount of money you make. There are some government limitations, but trust me, 
it's going to be a lot more than what you can do on your Roth. The other thing is I want you to think about when it comes to the retirement plans and this tax situation, you think you have 100000 in your 401k? I don't think so. When you pull that out, what happens? You're getting taxed on it. So think about 30% of that on average is going to go to the government. Uncle Sam's going to take it. So that $100,000 really isn't all yours. Maybe 70000 is. The other 30000 going to the government. Hmm, didn't think about that, did you? So that million dollars you've got might be 700000 That 500000 might be only three fifty. That 100000 is only seventy. Doesn't matter. You're still in bed with Uncle Sam. So there again... Why would you want to turn around and pay more taxes and defer more money? If you put 401k money in and you defer up to your employer's match, that's 100% return. They match three, I'm putting in three. They match six, I'm putting in six. That's 100% of your money. Market could fall 50% tomorrow. You are still up 50% in your account. Hmm. That's simple math. You don't have to earn anything on it. You already got a 50% return. That return goes down the more you put in. They still match three, but you're putting in 15. Hmm. That's a very small portion of that, but it's still going to get taxed and at a higher rate. Let's switch over to education. It's a fourth element here that I have. Four different ways to pay. Free money, grants, scholarships, found money. Don't be inefficient with your current dollars. Borrowed money, loans, and saved money, 529 plans. All of these items are ways to pay for education. Now you have to do it efficiently, and you have to try and get as much money as you can, but there's seven factors that could impact the amount you're going to get for aid. Your parents' income, your income. Your parents' assets, your assets. How old are your parents? How many kids are in the household? How many kids are in college? Each of these items will end up impacting exactly what you're going to be get. You're going to be getting for um, scholarships, grants, loans to further your education. And don't get a history degree at a national college that's going to cost you fifty thousand dollars a year when you can get one in your backyard for maybe five or six thousand. Nothing wrong with history, but you can spend your money more efficiently. A history degree is a history degree, okay? If you want to go and spend something for uh, different types of education, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, just start thinking about how, how you're going to uh, impact yourself for the future. Everybody now is strapped. I've got clients that have 100, 200, $300,000 worth of education debt. Why would you put two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 into education when you're coming out with a job that's going to pay forty or $50,000? doesn't make any sense. You went to a nice school, though, didn't you? Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's start using our heads, all right? The last area I want to talk about is major purchases. Major purchases are basically anything you can't pay out of current cash flow. You want to buy a lawnmower, it's 250 300 bucks. Yeah, I can handle that. But I need a vehicle. I want to put an addition on the house. 
had some medical expenses, had a heart condition, got ten, fifteen thousand dollars can't pay that out of cash flow, got to borrow. What am I going to do? Credit card? Loan? I don't know. What about that vacation? That once-in-a-lifetime vacation is going to cost you 25000 bucks. You're going to be paying that out of your current, uh, current cash flow? I don't think so. Where's it going to go? Yeah, probably credit cards, 27%. Oh, my God, that $25,000 is looking like forty now. Where are we going to get the money from? Well, that's savings, you know. You're cutting out costs out of these other areas that we were talking about earlier. Refinance that mortgage. Don't make those double payments. Let's talk about the tax side again. You start looking and reducing your taxes. Putting that money in only up to the match of your retirement plan. The education. You get a couple more grants and scholarships. You won't have to be taking money out of your pocket. All of these, if we chip away at each of these a little at a time, we keep finding more money. Those large purchases, do you really need that second or third car? You have to take that ultimate vacation. You can take the vacation. You can have a hell of a good time, but you don't have to stay in all five-star hotels and, and everything else. What's the idea? To spend money or to have an experience? I'd rather have the experience. I think you could do something for ten grand instead of 25 you may have that money sitting there and put it away already. That's that's great. That's called that's called savings. That's called smart. That's called cash flow. Guess what? We're going to be talking about that in our next episode. Budgeting for positive cash flow. So until next time, stay positive and think. That's right. WTF.